Welcome to Antares Radio, where we talk all Antares, all the time. Now, sit back and relax as we journey through the gate. God knows how this is going to work. <laughs> Let's give it a go. Welcome to Antares Radio. Um, your local radio station for all your Antares gaming needs. Yes, this is episode one of Antares Radio. Welcome, one and all. Uh, I am Sean, and I am a Stoke Rogue, which is a sub-branch of the Stoke War Games Group. I'm joined on this call by... Uh, Keith. Keith Knight. I'm also a Stoke Rogue. Uh, Rogues Unite. Yes. And... And and I'm Dan Smith. I'm also a Stoke Rogue. We seem to have a very small cross-section of the population here, but, you know, starts with me to go on. Well, this is the first episode, and maybe the only episode, of <laughs> Antares Radio. Um, I hope you like the sound effects. It's uh, at great expense that I've uh, added that in. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. Um, this is a bit of madness, isn't it? I think you'll both agree it's a little bit of madness <laughs> because this, we seem to have been infected at the Stoke War Games group by a new game called Beyond the Gates of Antares by Warlord Games. Um, myself and Keith are pretty new at it. I think you'd agree, Keith? Uh, certainly, yes. Uh, I think I've played it. A single game, so <laughs> a grand total of one new. game. Yeah, <laughs> pretty new. I'm I'm twice as experienced as you, Keith. I've played two games. Yes. However, we do have a Gates of Antares veteran on the on the podcast in the form of Dan Smith. Dan, you are a gaming veteran of the Gates of Antares, are you not? That is slightly worrying. I've been playing Antares since I think the year it came out. I've been to Nottingham twice to play. At Warlord Games, which is Antares HQ, I was briefly the best player of my faction officially in the world. The <laughs> only way that happened is because it was the first ever uh, world tournament, and I was the only person playing that faction. But I'm holding on to that I was the best player for my faction that year. You were first out of a cast of one. Well, well done. <laughs> <laughs> didn't win a single game in that tournament either. <laughs> and was still best in the world. <laughs> well, technically worst as well. Te- well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> First and last. In fact, Dan, you sort of did yourself down there because you could have left out that that after bit there. You could have just said, I was the number one Isaurian player in the world. Well, you did say you'd be editing so you can cut out that... Uh, no editing will no take edit- place during the <laughs> Gates of Antares. Sorry. Antares Radio. <laughs> I forgot what we're called. <laughs> Professionalism in podcasting since uh, 20 past eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, if anyone is out there in the ether listening uh, to the mad ramblings of three blokes from Stoke, uh, that's a bit, of a, a bit of poetry there, wasn't it? Three blokes from Stoke playing um, Beyond the Gates of Antares by Warlord Games. Thank you for listening. Um, uh, I hope you've come here with very uh, low 
expectations about what you're going to receive from us because as you've heard um we are not that experienced in the game jamie i can see your face can you go on audio i'm not that i don't like looking at your face whilst he fixes that up right so i'll I'll just go back to the preamble (laughs) to say uh thank you to anybody out there in in the ether uh listening to this your expectations need to be set fairly low about the quality of Antares content you'll receive, but you will hear some mad ramblings. I will put out um, uh, some caveats to say that we will be, um, this will not be an edited podcast um, in in the sense that I will uh, just let the recording run and we will play it uh, as it comes out. So what you hear is what you get or what you get is what you hear, something like that. Jay, are you in communication now? No. <laughs> uh, listeners out there, we do have uh, a, a fourth member of the Stoke Rogues uh, on the on the call, uh, and we can we can see his face and we can see his lips moving, <laughs> but uh, we can't hear him. Uh, what about now, Jay? Can anybody webcams on there? Uh, can anybody can anybody oh. read or you actually lip-read? are in bed, Dan? I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm fully harassed though. <laughs> oh. Jamie, you're, you're bringing you're bringing uh, a whole new dimension to this podcast. Um, have you got a volume button on your mic or or something or a, a mute button? Actually, I think Jamie's bringing the best content he'll ever bring to this. <laughs> <laughs> At the this is podcast gold. This, yeah. is. <laughs> this is this is what people tune in for. Our tech expert. This oh, man. Jamie, I think Mike might be on. Oh, Jamie. I can hear yeah. something. Yes, there is. He's left. Yeah. He's gone, and now his mic's working. How's that? <laughs> There's some interference Jamie, come back. from Intel here, I think. Yeah. Oh, we've got some interference. Where's he gone? Uh, well, I definitely can hear him now. We can hear you now, Jay. He's unplugged. Oh, he's unplugged his headphones. <laughs> and we're picking uh, up on his... Oh, my God. Boneheads. Oh, my God. Was that you, then, Jamie? I can hear you. Hello? Can you hear me now? Yes. Can you hear me now? How about now? <laughs> right, so comedy uh, Jamie, gold. Ja- it says comedy gold. It's podcast gold. This is Jamie. Welcome, Jamie. Um, Hello. What? Right. So um, this this is turned into a somewhat chaotic start. The first episode of Antares Radio, possibly the last episode <laughs> of Antares Radio. <laughs> Jamie, just uh, introduce who you are. And, and where you play, what club you play at, please. Um, Jamie Johnson, I play at uh, Stoke War Games Group. Um, and I've recently bought myself a Freeborn Antares Army. Yeah, you're the Freeborn expert on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. God help us. The, the bar <laughs> is low. How, how many How many games of uh, Gates of Antares have you played so far, Jamie? Uh I haven't played one yet. <laughs> well, you're in good company because Keith played one, I played two, 
Dan's played a little bit more than us. He, he is our subject matter expert on this I've, podcast. I've seen the game played. Yes. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> you, you've heard of it, haven't you? I have. Uh, you've heard of a game called Gates of Antares. I have. Right, okay. So, um, Jamie, just uh, so you're aware of what's going on, uh, we are recording the first episode of Antares Radio podcast which is brought okay. to you from the heart of stoke-on-trent actually i'm just over the border in shropshire but we'll we'll go for the heart of stoke-on-trent we're now four blokes from stoke talking about beyond the gates of Antares by warlord games i keep saying that just in case uh, warlord games like the little plug-in giving them and they want to throw some uh, uh material our way to support this new venture at stoke war games group because is gates that of warlord Antares, games that is Warlord Games from Nottingham. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, WarlordGames.com. I think you might find them at. Um, uh, because Gates of Antares seems to have uh, gained some traction at the club. I will just, I just want to add the little caveat. If there's little ones listening in uh, whilst you're listening to this podcast, this will be a R-rated podcast. I think that's what they say in America. There may be the odd fruity word. Uh, because I will not be editing this podcast. It will go out raw. Generally after uh, I've said something. Possibly, Jay, <laughs> possibly, mate, yes. Um, but I thought we'd get together as a, a new group of players of the game of Beyond the Gates of Antares to just have a little bit of a chat about what's drawn us into it, why suddenly it's gained a bit of traction, because I know Dan, yourself, and Aid, who can't be on the call tonight, unfortunately, uh, picked this up pretty much when it was launched. And I think everybody's been sort of in, on the borders of it and intrigued about what Beyond the Gates of Antares is. But uh, certainly, us uh, four plus Aid and a couple of others at the club, uh, and uh, Lee from down south Staffordshire Way. Hello, Lee. And you will be a guest on the podcast hopefully very soon. Um, We've now really bought into it, and uh, I'm certainly I've certainly enjoyed the two games I've played, um, and I'm, I think Keith, you could say you enjoyed the game that you played because you won. Uh, absolutely. Unbiased <laughs> <laughs> uh, opinion. I've never enjoyed a game. I, you know, uh, I've lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good but job you won, good. then. Yeah, it is a good job I won. Else I'd have quit. Perhaps I don't know. <laughs> Um, before we go into the uh, specific Gates of Antares content, I just thought we could perhaps have a couple of minutes each just talking about our gaming background, uh, what, bring, what brought us to the Stoke War Games Club. Um, uh, we'll go around the table, starting with Keith to Dan to Jamie, last of all, and then I'll, fi- I'll not last of all, I'll finish off. Um, we are in unprecedented times, aren't we, with... Uh, the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, I hope everyone is washing their hands out there. Um, but uh, this is, uh, we, are, we are separated by some distance, aren't we, gentlemen? And uh, we are safe in our own bunkers. Yes. We are. Yes. Uh, right, so just to kick things off then, uh, Keith, could you give us a little bit of a hobby biograph, bi- biography? Oh, biography, Bio- uh, even, yes. Um well, I, I will do my utmost. Um, so, my name's Keith. Uh, I'm a member of Stoke War Games Group, um, and our little subgroup uh, is Stoke Rogues, which was a little bit of a tournament team we set up years ago to play uh, 
Warhammer 6th edition, I think, sure, wasn't it? Uh, around that era, probably around... 2000, um, I think we played at one tournament and, and then disbanded. <laughs> so, uh, successful. But we did keep the name because we liked the name. Um, so yeah, in terms of gaming, uh, I've been gaming for over 30 years now. Um, started when I was at school uh, with a, a good friend of mine who, who still knocks around at the club every now and again. Um, Basically got into gaming through the Games Workshop uh, route, I suppose. Um, 40k and uh, Warhammer, th- those type of games. Um, still play Warhammer today. Um, never really gelled particularly well with the 40k side of things, but uh, it still play quite a bit of Warhammer and quite a few of the specialist games. Um, other than that, uh, I'd I've played historical games over the years. I've played, uh, you know, ancient sci-fi. Pretty much, uh, pretty much anything you can play. I have played at some point, and at the moment I am just as, uh, as I guess, been mentioned once or twice, launching into this new realm, this this realm beyond the gates of Antares. So, uh, very exciting times indeed. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, I think you've sort of undersold yourself a little bit there, Keith, because you have possibly one of the largest collections of figures. One of the two largest collections of figures I know of. Uh, the second being John uh, Barlow, another member, but he is, he is really uh, historically based. Whereas from a Warhammer perspective, I would challenge anybody out there anywhere to have as large a collection as you. Uh, not, not only as large a collection, but painted as well. Well, quite quite possibly. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's impressively large, um, you might say. We, we um, are on about your... Uh, uh, my collection, my, my collection <laughs> obviously. Um, it, ludicrously large, my wife might say. <laughs> <laughs> Just about uh, the figure collection. Yeah, obviously. about the figure yeah. collection again, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean... I've been buying more or less non-stop for 30 years, so as you can imagine, that's quite a quite an accumulation that's built up. Uh, and and if it wasn't for the fact I bear, can barely store any more in the house, I'd probably be still buying now. But <laughs> at the moment, you know, I'm uh, trying to scale back a touch. But um, yes, uh, yeah, fantasy Warhammer fantasy has been my. Um, Obsession, I suppose, over the years, and you know, I've accumulated uh, a substantial amount. So. But, but you were one of these that uh, resisted uh, the move over into um, Age of Sigmar, weren't you? <coughs> definitely old school, square base, rank and flank. I, I did. Um, I, I haven't got a problem with Age of Sigmar, which I know a lot, a lot of people did <laughs> you know, yes. when it first broke there was, there was a bit of consternation I suppose um, but to be honest I'd kind of fallen out of um, love if you like with, with Warhammer during 8th edition so I'd already kind of stopped playing at that point um, so then Age of Sigmar broke and I, I, I didn't it didn't sort of appeal to me massively um, but we've kind of, uh, with, a, with a couple of friends of ours, as you all know at our club, Sean, 
uh, we've sort of gone backwards to a little bit of a, a what we consider a golden period, um, which would be sixth edition uh, Warhammer. And we're, we're playing that again at the moment, so so uh, the obsession's still alive. Um, but yeah, uh, Age of Sigmar. I don't know. I don't know why it didn't do it for me because some of the models are beautiful models. I mean, you could never knock Games Workshop for the quality of models that, that they pump out. But uh, yes, it just didn't. Um, it didn't grab me the same. I always had this uh, feeling of Warhammer's sort of, you know, a, a Dark Ages medieval type uh, setting, and that was what dragged me into it and what fixes me there now. So, um, yeah, I, I like the, the blocks of foot sloggers, you know, trooping through the mud, not in gold and space marine armour, you know, so. Very good. Uh, just bear with me, chats, because I, I need to just make sure we are still recording because something's <laughs> gone wrong with my computer. <laughs> it's all gone. It, it, it does say at the top are. of yours, does it? Okay. Yeah. If that stops, will you just let me know? Uh, because I would hate to lose <laughs> all this conversation. All this glorious conversation lost, Sean. I know. I then hit uh, the X uh, sort of to close this window that seems to have collapsed on me. No, uh, which is taking me away from uh, where it says it's recording. So can you, one of you just keep an eye on that for me? Will do. Very good. Thanks very much for that, Keith. There. That's, yeah, no problem. Uh, that's, uh, very uh, insightful, and we'll we'll come back to sort of um, uh, what, why we've got into Antares as much as we have uh, once we spoke to everybody else. So, Dan. Now, Dan, you're you're quite an interesting case because you're quite late into the miniature gaming hobby, aren't you? I am. I've only been gaming for about five to six years. Uh, ironically, my wife wanted me to find a cheaper hobby. And she suggested I do wargaming. I don't know why she thought it was cheaper, because her dad is actually Aid, who's been gaming with you guys since the year dot. But, hey, to be fair, my hobbies used to be scuba diving and shooting, so they were expensive, but... That's because uh, Aid's obviously told, uh, you know, oh, this stuff costs nothing, it just just costs pence, you know, as as we all do. (laughs) That will be the case. Yeah. Oh yes, how naive. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yes, you you uh, you started coming to the club uh, as you say about five or six years ago, didn't you? Um, so uh, how are you finding this strange hobby of ours? I think it's brilliant. I mean, I'm I'm loving it. I mostly do sci-fi. I Antares and a couple of the sci-fi's. I do like Age of Sigma. I've ne- then again, I came, when I came into wargaming. Age of Sigmar was the game of choice, so I never had going up through 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. But yeah, Sigmar, I love Antares, and I really like skirmish games. I've got a couple of historicals, but that's English Civil War, and I've got some Old West figures. I've got no Second World War army, which I'm well aware is practically unheard of in this hobby. (laughs) But... True. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing it for about six years, and I'm probably going to play it until until I. You're as old as Aid. <laughs> oh, I'll never be that old, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thanks. For, uh, yes, it, it's. I do find it interesting because I think um, everybody else's experiences that we picked up 
uh, in our teenage years at school. I know you did some reenactment, Dan, didn't you? With um, was it with the sealed knot? Well, I mean, I went one time. I went to one reenactment weekend uh, with the sealed knot. It was absolutely fantastic, but it was all very much very serious. I think it's just serious a... business. <laughs> It's just a serious business. I, I just think it's incredibly geeky. People, grown men dressing up as soldiers running around in the field and hitting each other. Just such a geeky pastime. Uh, yeah, it's, like it's strange because there's like a hierarchy in gaming, isn't there? Of geekness that you know, historical gamers look down on fantasy gamers, and everybody looks down on reenactors. I, I, well, they are the lowest of the low, let's be fair. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to any LARP listeners. No, uh, no. You know, um, no um, nearly, a, nearly a jokey observation. Yes, there, there may well be one LARP listener to this, because uh, uh, Anne Kiln, who uh, we know from one of the other clubs in Stoke, and I've, I have podcasted with previously, uh, is, a, is a LARPer of, well, of, of some great repute. That then I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> His pointy stick is renowned. Yes, yes. Uh, and on that note, we'll move over to you, Jamie, uh, the, the oh, later arrival. But I have, I have to say, um, uh, you've exceeded all expectations for your arrival on the podcast. We thought you'd be coming in about five minutes before the end. <laughs> That's my usual, uh, <laughs> usual time of arrival. True. So yeah. just, just as a little caveat, though, for the audience, um, everybody on the call tonight and a couple of others, we uh, we play in a regular D&D campaign, don't we? So uh, and we, we've all known each other for many years. So any rib taking or uh, um, uh, ridicule is is all in jest. Other than when aimed at Jamie, obviously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> As is the norm. As is the norm. Mate, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we do appreciate you being here. So just give us a little insight into your background, mate. So I I sort of started gaming first, uh, for the first time um, around the same time as Keith. Now, our mutual friend uh, sort of dragged us into Warhammer. Um, played a lot of the early... Uh, in the Games Workshop games, Basilk, Adaptus Titanicus, um, 40k, um, Dark Future, that, that, those kinds of things. Um, but I sort of prefer role-playing, really. I haven't really got um, an army to speak of, apart from this, this Antares force I've, I've got. Um, mainly because all you need in role-plays is the rules, really. And... Uh, Theatre of the mind, but yes, um, I've, I've, I've sort of dipped in and out of the club. Uh, never been a regular member, but uh, it's it's nice to nice to escape on a Friday night to come down and see see everybody playing and enjoying themselves. Yeah, so it's, it's always good to see you, Jay, and obviously uh, you're a valued member of the party and in, in our D and D campaign, uh, playing the uh, descent into Avernus uh, campaign, like we are. Although we're on a slight hiatus, with just with scheduling and uh, pandemic plagues that are, are roaming the world at the moment. But hopefully, yeah. uh, we'll we'll pick that up again uh, next week or the week after. Um, 
Okay, guys, thanks very much for your... Oh, I better do mine, haven't I? Yes, I'm here. Um, so mine uh, f- probably follows a very similar tale, although I'm a little bit older than uh, most people on the podcast, I'm, although not as old as Aid. Aid is the, Aid is the, the, uh, grandfather, of the, the grandfather of the group. <laughs> Literally. Literally, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I'm Sean. I'm also a member of Stoke Rogues uh, and the Stoke Wargaming Group. Been there since around about 1990. So 30 years this year, which is an incredible long time, but uh, started... Um, uh, way back in the mist of time with D&D and little bits of historical gaming. Even when I was at school, I was that much of a geek. Um, but because the cool kids really did fantasy and Warhammer. Uh, they, they were the cool kids. Certainly the cool kids I knew of. The cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit different in my school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> as an overall coolness, oh, fact, yeah, actually, yeah. they were way towards the bottom, but I was sort of subterranean, oh, right. I think, okay. with uh, my interest in, in uh, historical gaming. But, uh, yes, uh, very similar to Keith, I've been through just about every historical period and every science fiction or fantasy uh, game over the years, and I am fairly well known for spending a lot of money on a project, yeah. um, painting, building it uh, over the period of about three months, and then selling it to Keith or John or yeah. uh, for a song on eBay. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> most people seem to profit from my um, my profligacy with uh, purchasing uh, stuff I don't need. Uh, but uh, the thing that has brought us here tonight to Antares Radio. Uh, <laughs> I hope you impressed Jamie with the no expense spared sound effects there. Um, Affirmative. <laughs> oh, you've got oh the same soundboard as me. Is this enjoyment or pull into uh, Beyond the Gates of Antares? Now, Dan, you are uh, infinitely more experienced at this game than us. Uh, and you were there from the very start. Did it launch about 2016, something like that, about four years ago? It did launch, yep, it launched. 2015, I think, something around there. Yeah, 2015. That's certainly when they copyrighted on their website anyway. Because interestingly, I I don't know if anybody else is aware of this, Rick Priestley actually put this to Kickstarter originally. uh, With the the initial... um, idea of, of the game of Beyond the Gates of Antares and it failed to fund um, uh, remarkably uh, because Rick Priestley being the author of Gates of Antares clearly famous for his involvement with Games Workshop from well, I think pretty much from the very beginning uh, and the development of Warhammer Fantasy 40k and uh, without Rick Priestley it's fair to say that Games Workshop wouldn't be where they are today he was that sort of founding father and, and guardian light for them. And then on leaving Games Workshop, uh, went into some other games development and Gates of Antares was this science fiction game. Uh, but, uh, went to Kickstarter, didn't fund for whatever reason, um, but then was launched without Kickstarter and Warlord Games, uh, produced it. So Dan, yourself and Aid picked it up, didn't you, at the club? Uh, what what sort of drew you into it? What was the first thing that attracted you to Antares? Well, the first thing that happened was Aid actually applied to be a, a 
come up with a called, I think it was the Freeborn Shard, where to get business going, to get an interest, Warlord Games actually ask for applicants who go to clubs to essentially become test players to get provided the factions for free and keep going and to blog about it, to podcast about it, etc, etc. Now, we were unsuccessful, but Aid got sent a free rule book as a thank you for playing, please, please, please get involved with the game. And we, we looked through the rule book, it looked really good. Essentially, the premise, from what I gather, is the gameplay-wise, it's essentially bolt action with plasma guns. Yes. Very basically, because you have the order dice you draw from the bag, which brings a nice random element into who goes when. You can't plan exactly when you're going to do this. You're going to do X, they'll do Y, then you do Z, because it could be you, you, you. Suddenly, you're in position to attack, but they're not, but the opponent isn't. They're not going to be because you can't ambush them, which is fantastic. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, about a few months after I'd got the rule book, we went to a show... It was the one at the race. I can't remember what show it was. Uh, Derby. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that'd be a Reading one, wouldn't it? I Colours. think it was. Oh, the race course. Sorry. Yes. I thought you meant the racetrack at um, Donington. Donington. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that could be it. Actually, I don't, I don't know. I may be putting words in Dan's mouth. Mm. Not sure. Sorry, Dan. Carry on. That's quite all right. Um, and they had a they. And Warlord Games were there. They kind of tucked away in a corner. They'd not got a table. They'd got nothing like that. I got talking to Andy Hobday, who was there. He certainly used to be very involved with Antares. He's moved on from Warlord Games now, but he was very much involved with Antares. He was very much the public face of it. And he did me a really good deal on the Historian Starter Army. And, yeah, I bought the army. The figures look fantastic. The Isaurian, I mean, I'm going to get a bit into the faction now, if that's okay, Sean. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, carry on. Isaurians are essentially, they're the Mac to the windows of uh, the Antarian space. They've got a very different Intel infrastructure. Essentially, they're a bit like, yeah, they've they've got a different infrastructure because they actually encountered an alien race, which infected their... Operating systems, essentially. And therefore, they were ostracised from the main Intel, the main Concord Intel. Uh, essentially, very basics. Everyone is part of the Intel. It's a bit like smartphones to the max. Everyone's connected. The Intel can see all. It can guide people. Uh, it's just, I saw as we've got an incompatible one. And their armour looks a lot more organic. And at the time... They were the only real species with proper alien-looking aliens. I mean, at the time, the Gar, who are the stereotypical brutes, where they were just in the armour suits. The Gar rebels have now appeared uh, a few years ago now, and they are essentially... It's a bit like in Men in Black, when there's the little alien inside the person. Oh, yes. It's a bit like that with our battle suits. Okay. But at the time, the Asterians had the only... Only aliens and the models said fantastic. The rules are simple to pick up, easy to play. I mean, Isaurians versus the Concord, which is the main starter army, 
the rules are pretty much the same, weapons are pretty much the same. From the outside perspective, there's very little difference, a couple of differences. It's quick, it's easy to pick up, but the little differences are enough that you can take advantage of them. For example, the Isurans have got one character, the Phase Sniper, who is deadly. He's got a fantastic phase rifle that ignores line of sight. Um, doesn't ignores cover. I'm so sorry for cover bonuses. You still have to have line of sight. And it can be devastating. It's kind of a glass hammer. So I quite like taking him because he's a bit different. And yeah, I just got involved. I enjoyed it. Aid loaned me a load of the stuff that I needed. When I just had the army, I've gradually got my rule book, got all my stuff now. And it's just fun. It's simple. It's easy to play. And it doesn't have the massive investment that some other games need. And I've been singing you praises ever since. And you guys have finally listened to me. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> the message got... Sweet. I think... Yeah, I think, uh, I think that probably echoes... Uh, I may be speaking out of turn, Hickey's, but for... We had a game in the week, didn't we? Um, we did. We did. And we were mightily impressed. Uh, yeah, it, um, it, it was a fl- good flowing game. Uh, everything that happened, you know, was sort of uh, realistic, if you like, in a sci-fi setting. Um, I had no complaints about it. But yeah, I, I, you know, just to echo what what Dan's saying, it's pretty easy to pick up, really, um, especially if you've as you say, played bolt action in the past, uh, you'll you'll oh, have yeah. a very good understanding of it. Um, but uh, the the main thing for me uh, that that I liked about it um, that that's got me into it uh, now um, is I like a beautiful game, something that looks really really nice. And having finally sat down and poured through the rule book and seen some of the pictures um, of the glorious terrain and beautiful figures that, that's been the big draw for me really uh, towards the game so so yeah that's uh, I, I find that to be one of the most um, interesting uh, and a, a, what's the word I'm looking for one of the best parts of wargaming is is that getting a beautiful uh, army and a beautiful table and it's just a spectacle you know that's that's what what interests me most about gaming there's nothing better than standing back from a table looking at it and think that's cool exactly well yeah exactly yeah, yeah. definitely and if i think I... that table setup that you you posted up on the facebook group certainly got through some very favorable comments with all that snapdragon scenery that yeah I'm a bit of, uh, as you know, Sean, um, I'm a bit of a mad collector of terrain anyway. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, all too often, you know, uh, you sort of see uh, lovely games, lovely armies, at tourna- uh, tournaments and shows and things with crappy terrain, you know, and yeah. it just seems to me the whole, that everything has to come together to make a really nice game and, and you know, that's what sort of draws me to to Antares at the moment. In fact, funnily, <laughs> it, it, if I'm just digress slightly, um, I know Aid and Dan have been trying to persuade us to play for quite a few years now, um, and for whatever reason, we've all kind of resisted different projects on the go and, and so on. Um, 
But I happened to be watching, uh, sitting at the club one night, watching Aidan Dan play a game. Um, and we were just chatting and I, I was drawing the dice from the bag for them actually so they could, so they could play so I could, you know. Uh, and he showed me a picture of the brood mother, the, the Boromite brood mother, uh, which, had, which was a figure I'd never seen before. And I just loved it. I just looked at it. Oh, that is a cracking figure. So I went home, uh, and more or less that night popped on eBay. And lo and behold, somebody was selling a painted broodmother on eBay. So I bought it there and then. Uh, and then a few days later, I was sitting there looking at this broodmother thinking, I'm going to have to buy some boromites now. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of, it literally was that kind of explosive, you know, all of a sudden, from nothing to madly into it. I mean, it is a beautiful model, that is, isn't it? It's, oh, it's a beast, isn't it? Yeah, it is a, it, it's lovely to look at when you actually look at all the little details on it and, um, I, there's little hatchlings coming out of the little holes in the, the broodmother's back and there's like craters in it where it's been shot and, oh, it's a, a lovely, lovely looking model. Really drew me into the, into the game, you know, so yeah, that was, um, it was unexpectedly, uh, yes, I was unexpectedly drawn in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, what attracted you to this game with this gribbly big beast with things yes. crawling out of it? Yeah. Um, so that Which sort of gives away your, fa- your chosen faction. It does, it does. I am, uh, Boromite through and through. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that you don't own other armies. I, well, Yes, uh, I actually own more armies than I've played games. Uh, now, <laughs> that's so did Jamie. Well, that's uh, <laughs> that's true. Um, that was a slightly fortuitous thing in that uh, I happened. I think Dan, you added me to a couple of Facebook groups for Antares, some um, trades of Antares or something like that, uh, and uh, a chap was. Uh, selling a huge collection of uh, Antares stuff um, at a really, really good price. Uh, Don't name him, because he will be listening. Well, I will, yeah, I will. Um, Anyway, I messaged this guy, uh, arranged to buy it, and I popped down to his house uh, to collect the stuff. Uh, And his name's Lee Luke, and he lives um, South Staffordshire somewhere, I forget where it is now. Um, and I was just chatting to him and I was telling him about the club and how we were getting into Antares and he was, um, he'd previously really been into it but a lot of his, um, local gamers had dropped out of it for whatever reason. Uh, and he was selling up. Uh, so I, and I'd bought all this stuff. Anyway, I think with telling him about our club, he, he decided to get back in touch with me and see if he could come up and he, he popped up to our club one, uh, one Friday, a couple of weeks back, played you Dan at a, a little game of Antares, and now his enthusiasm has exploded again. <laughs> and uh, having sold all his stuff at a rock bottom price, he he's now getting back into it. So yet another person falls into the web. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I've been in touch with Lee, and he's I, because I put up a little bit of a teaser for the group. Are we all right? Are we still recording? I'm losing you, Sean. You dropped. Oh, him. sorry. Hey, can you hear me now? Yeah, just about. Yeah. Uh, testing, testing. Oh. Can you hear me? Yes. Can we're all still on Antares Radio. 
<laughs> Don't give away my secret tech. Um, yes, uh, he's. Uh, I put up a little bit of a teaser for Antares Radio uh, on the Facebook group, and uh, Lee uh, indicated he, he wouldn't mind coming on. So maybe the next episode we'll uh, we'll get him on as well. Uh, because it, it, I do get the impression he knows a hell of a lot more about the game than anybody here. Yes, I think that would be a fair a fair assumption. But then again, probably there are Neanderthals living in the jungles of Borneo that <laughs> know more than so. <laughs> Speaking of which, Jamie. Jamie, yes. <laughs> what a great we segue. Aspire, aspire to such knowledge. <laughs> Speaking of which, right, Jamie, so um, I've known you for a good few years now, and um, I know that you've had the interest in role-playing, etc., and we've talked about that. We've done a bit of Star Wars. We're in a D&D campaign at the moment, but I've never actually known you own War Games figures. Well, yes, I used to uh, to own some Chaos Dwarf Warhammer figures. I had a little bit of an army. Yeah. Always ended up on the losing. I've got them now. Yes, the losing side. Yes, I. Uh, they found a way to Keith. Keith uh, is like the Borg, isn't he? He simulates I, every, yes. everyone else's collection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, he's uh, he's looking after him. Oh, is, okay. Uh, yeah. You're not getting them back. <laughs> it was a it was a one way transaction. Ah. <laughs> but, uh, yes, the, um, I do get to still see them, which is which is good. Yes. Yeah. But. Um, very recently, you sort of broke that duck and joined us in some madness and found a, a nice deal online, didn't you, for some I painted freeborn? Yes, yes, and uh, the freeborn sort of piqued my interest because, well, two reasons really. First, no one else in the group had got freeborn um, or Virai, the the drone scoops. Yes, yeah. Um, but what the other thing that attracted me to Freeborn was the fact that the, their army's quite tiered. You've got, as it, uh, Jordana, correct me, he's got like the uh, the top tier with the the Concordia stuff, um, all the way down to sort of feral fighters, and it's that kind of variety of uh, of army that interested me. The different troop troop types, really. Um, yeah, and, and plus I like the figures. Yeah, they are lovely figures, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I have a feeling I may well try and pick some up myself because uh, there's there are, and as you say, there's quite a wide variety of, of troop types in there, isn't there? Uh, I think the background is the sort of merchants, aren't they? That the sail merchants through. Merchants and traders, yeah. That sail through. They, they haven't got a home planet as such because they they just live on the ships and uh, trade up and down the. Um, the, the gateways and then through the through uh, the, the nexus and, and what have you but yeah um, yeah there's, I'm just looking at some of the pictures now so there's quite a few different troop types so you bought a painted army what was in it um, a couple of command um, figures um, some basic infantry units a few drones um, an artillery piece. And I've, I've that was quite a good deal. And I've also added to it um, a couple of ships as well. I've got a command ship and um, an attack ship. So yeah, I think I've got quite a good selection to draw from. I was um, 
a squadron of wave riders. I quite like the look of, but uh, I might get them at a later stage. I thought I'd play with what I've got, see see how I like it, and then see where I need to improve my my army. Yeah, I, th- I think that, that's an interesting point actually, because I know Keith, you've talked about this where in the past, like so many others, myself included, you can just go out go balls deep into these things and buy everything <laughs> and then realise you don't actually need half of it. So to speak. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I mean, I, uh, traditionally, I've been very um, scattergun in my approach to collecting. I just sort of buy, 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 and then think, oh, I've got all this stuff. Um, but, yeah, I think with... With Antares in particular, because of the way the forces sort of increase in size and what you minimum require for those sizes, it's it's quite um, a nice steady game that you can build into. Uh, you haven't, you know, you, you can start off at that 500 point level, which gives a decent game because that's what we played the other day, 500 points, and yeah. actually was an um, interesting tactical game, you know. Um, but yeah, then you can slowly build up um, in 250-point 200, increments uh, your force, adding a new bit at a time. So it's quite been quite a revelation for me because I, I can say I just tend to think, oh, I'll have one of everything, you know. Yes. Um, but this Very time, I, you know, the brood mother notwithstanding, that was a bit. <laughs> uh, I sort of after that I looked and thought, well, I need three tactical options to play at 500 points. So I ordered three tactical, um, three tactical units, uh, painted those, and it's just been a, that's been a different approach for me, and that's actually been quite um, refreshing, really, because uh, it, it has it is a change from what I normally do, um, and it has given me the opportunity to paint a, you know paint those things, and I've been I've actually been quite firm with myself saying that I'll paint what I've what I've ordered before I order anything else. Um, so yeah, so. You kind of organically grow your force, if you like. Mm. Uh, so, obviously, the next thing I'm looking at, I think I discussed with you the other day, I'm going to add some uh, lava mites, is it? Lava mites uh, to, to the army, just purely because Aid's face went really pale. And, uh, <laughs> when I mentioned them, I think he had some nasty experiences with them at a Antares Day once. So, uh, you know, on that. That strength alone, I would definitely get a unit of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't I like wait to it. chew somebody's face off with someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It, it is a very, um, it's a it's a good game for somebody who's perhaps new to wargaming to get into because because it's re- I think Dan, you said it was it's relatively low buy-in, and, and I know a lot of the plastic uh, models are coming out in plastic now. So I think a Boromite, I think Boromites are the only ones that aren't all available in plastic. Is that I think right? And Isaurian. Oh, Isaurians as well, is it? But I think they're being de- they're in development. They've done because we did speak to some pe- some people at a show, didn't we, Keith? Yes. We um, did. And uh, all the Isaurians are done in yes. plastic, and they've been all remodelled, haven't they? Slightly. Um, oh, yeah. The design has been uh, all the the. Um, what do you call it? The overall aesthetic. Aesthetic. That's what I'm looking for. The aesthetic of the army has changed ever so slightly, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah. So it's relatively low buy-in. Um, I, I think you could probably buy in for, you know, 
thirty, forty quid if you, you know, you looked around, yeah. shot around. About the buy it. I'm actually on the Warlord Games website now, and the Strike on Kara Nine, which is the current starter, two-sided starter set, with I don't know how many points enough of both enough of two armies, Concord and Algorin, for a decent battle. I don't know how many points it is, but we're not quite a five hundred. But that's going for thirty-five quid, direct from Warlord Games. So you can get that cheaper elsewhere. That's got a mini rule book. It's got order dice. It's got everything you need. So and I mean, you that, can progress on from there. So that's you know that's uh, pretty cheap, really, isn't it? To buy into a, a war game these days is not. I can't think of many other war games you could buy into for no. thirty odd quid. To be well, honest. Yeah. I did. I did pick up the Strike and Coronine, um, and you get basically three. I think it's three tactical squads for Algorian, and maybe a little bit more for the Concord. I can't just see it to hand. I think uh, two tactical office. and two drones. Ah, there we go. Right. Yeah. But uh, also, if you pick that up now, uh, you are very likely to get the hardback rulebook, which I did. With ah. This, um, they started packing it with uh, with uh, copies of the hardback as opposed to the small digest size um, A5. Now, would that be because they've got stocks of the hardback and there's uh, the rumours of the second edition coming out, do you think? I think that's a good assumption. I don't think there's been anything official. I know that at the last two Antares days, the last one being October, there was there's been quite a bit of discussion about second edition development and from what I can gather it's more of a 1.5 edition so it's right. a tidy up and a uh, clarification rather than ma- anything major uh, change in the rules wise uh, that's on the cards so yeah that, that could be a good guess I think to say that they're going to get rid of those copies in the store um, yeah. and put them in the in the car nine so um Jamie, just back to you, Jamie, then. Yeah. Because uh, you're just saying there that um, you, you're going to play with what you've got as opposed to, you know, do that scattergun approach and try and buy bits of everything that you've no idea how it works. Yes. Um, so how many points do you reckon you've got in the painted stuff? I think I've got about a 1,000 to 1,500 points. Oh, something like that. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's, um, I mean, that's almost more than <laughs> you need. <laughs> I think it's a ballpark figure, but I've got a command squad, a Vardinari squad, support force, yeah, um, and the two the two skimmers I pointed out. So, oh yeah, wow. okay. Well, that, yeah. that's great. So, um, and you you need to break your duck, don't you? So we're, we're hopefully going to get that sorted very soon. Yeah, uh, with you uh, uh, playing the game. So. That's good. So, so what is it about the aesthetic or the background or the game overall, Jamie, that's uh, attracted you other than the fact that it's the new hotness at the club? I quite like um, the idea. It's a, it's a skirmish game. I, um, I think that that lets you buy in quite easily. Like like we said, the the, the rank and file, the um, the Warhammer type games, the WAB games. Um, you have to invest quite a lot of money because yeah. you need to buy that that many figures. Whereas with this, it's more it's more of a tactical game. Yeah. So yeah, um, I, I quite enjoy the small scale skirmish type of games. It can be quite intimidating, can't it, for some war games uh, to start? For example, Keith, uh, you know, looking at the size of your 
Warhammer Fantasy Battle Collection, which has been a lifetime's work, mm. um, to play even a thousand point game of Warhammer Fantasy back in the day, <coughs> you were talking hundred figures, weren't you? Easy. Oh yeah, um, uh, so and I think that's what ultimately um, led to its downfall. In a way, it was uh, such a not just in terms of money, but in terms of time as well. You know. It, 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 with this, the, you know, the society we live in of instant gratification these days, you know, if you wanted a game of Warhammer, you didn't want to have to buy it all for X amount of pounds, but then spend weeks and weeks assembling it and putting it together and, you know, painting it before you could actually have a game, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see what, you know, I, I think there's been a proliferation of smaller scale war games over the years which sort of started a few years back with your war machine type games where you were only needing perhaps half a dozen to a dozen figures yeah. um, and that's all part all, all for those reasons I've just talked about that you know it, it was so labour and time intensive to get armies together um, to play these games but you know that's the reason these skirmish games have massively ramped up in popularity yeah, and I think that um, Rick Priestley in his original design talks around Gates of Antares said he wants a game that you can play, you can play a decent game with some good tactics with 20, 30 or 40 mm. figures. Um, mm. And I think that's certainly been achieved, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, what did we have the other day? We had 500 points and we probably had something like 15 to 20 figures each. Yes. And yet we still are, you know... It, it was a it was a good tactical game, you know. There were, de- there were decisions that needed to be made, and um, you know, things that went spectacularly wrong for some of us. You know, <laughs> but, yes, you know even at, even at that <laughs> yeah, even at that size game, you know, it was still tactical and yeah. uh, you know, involving, you know, and particularly yes, with the as I think Dan touched on the 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 dice mechanism. Uh, it keeps everybody interested all the time. Yes. Um, a lot of these I go, you go type games um, that, that were, you know, massively popular in the past. For a long period of time, you can literally be sitting doing nothing whilst yeah. it's your opponent's turn, whilst they do all their moving, all their shooting, all their fighting. Um, but with th- with this style of mechanic, it, both sides are, are involved all the time, yeah. uh, and I think that that's a good thing for for gaming in general so yeah i I really like that that element of it that uh randomness and it games aren't predictable um you know sometimes games could be predictable uh when you knew exactly you know when your next your your next unit was going to move uh now you you know this this dice mechanic it just adds that level of you know, ooh, what's going to come out next? And as we know, Sean, you're quite skilled at drawing three or four dice in a row for your opponent and <laughs> <laughs> sitting and watching as your troops get annihilated with no yeah. response. <laughs> and rolling tens at an Yeah, I think that's, that's uh, absolutely bang on. I think the dice order mechanic uh, is probably that unique selling point, that USP. Yeah. Um, for Antares, which, as as Dan, you've said, is is borrowed, isn't it, from Bolt Action, 
they've been ported over and it's a d10 mechanic as opposed to d6 but um yeah is that a, a mechanic that you enjoy yourself dan who me dan dan yeah no the other dan <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Yeah, I really enjoy it. I mean, as, as Keith rightly said, you get the you get the element of you're not just sitting there while the person goes and lines up with a essentially final sword you can't get past. Yeah, you can completely scup their plans by pulling out your dice. I mean, when I played Lee Luke's, my Isaurians played his Gar. There are a few times when if the dice draw had gone wrong, the game would have gone very differently. Yeah, but because I drew it just the right time for me or the wrong time for him, I managed to avoid his traps. I managed to get him in my, in my own traps, and yeah, it's brilliant. It's all the dice rolls. It's it's an easy game to play, but a difficult game to play. Well, like most war games are, well, like most good war games are. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think myself and Keith, uh, I think you'll agree, Keith. We picked it up considering I played one game. And you hadn't played any games. We picked it up pretty quickly, didn't we? Yeah, the mechanics uh, were were very uh, simple to learn, really. Um, I think the hardest thing I found was uh, remembering all the terrain types. Yes. <laughs> the, I've never seen a book with so many terrain types. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. You know, Every option's covered, isn't it? I love terrain, you know, yeah. so uh, it's uh, happy days for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the actual core mechanics of the game are are pretty easy to learn, really. Um, but you know, it's like you say that the challenges is learning to uh, play the game well. You know, uh, you know, anybody can pretty much pick the game up, sim- you know, pretty quickly. I would have thought, uh, but learning to play well—that's a perhaps a different matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think for me. Um Everything that you three have said is, it echoes my feelings about the game. And um, But on top of that, we talked about the aesthetic, and Keith, you talked about the scenery and, yes. and the look of the game. What I do quite like is that this isn't gothic, uh, gothic is it 40k gothic style, um, ruined yes. cityscapes, and that sort of 10 seconds to midnight feel that Warhammer 40k has got and I'm not dissing 40k because you know it's, it's a fantastic game in its own right we don't play but you know I acknowledge that it's a good game and got a massive following but there's a very different feel to um, Antares uh, over 40k isn't there yes um, yeah it's it's not dark you know yeah you look at a lot of the pictures in the book and it's bright shrubbery and you know it's not just like you say, burned out, ruined buildings that seems to be, you know, prevalent through yeah. majority of 40k pictures and literature and that sort of thing, which, you know, that's, that's what that universe is about. Yeah. But I think the, by the nature of the fact that it's spanning such an, you know, well, a galaxy wide, uh, universe wide, universe wide, yeah. um, you, you know, you could be, you could literally, I suppose, pl- set it up in a on a 20th century board, and you know nobody had bat an eyelid, sort of thing. You know, you could do whatever you wanted. Um, you know, if you wanted to go very gothic, dark, grim, gothic, you could do. But mm. well, 
equally if you wanted to play on a f- farmstead, you know, you know, uh, almost, you know, or pre pre uh, Stone Age type yeah. settlements, you know, you could because this well, the imagination's the limit, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. I think I think 40k tends to get drawn into that gothic grim darkness of the far future feel whereas with this as you say within the rule book there's there's uh bright foliage on trees and yeah uh, you know you read a little bit of the fluff and uh, dan have you read much of the, the the stories that are online i've not no i'll be honest with you it's something that i do want to do more of but i've just not got around to there's so many good books I want to get reading the fluff and I want to get reading the back universe stories, especially for Antares, because it does seem from the rules and from Brad very much more utopian and less dystopian like 40k is. Well, that's a very good word to use because I think mm. Rick Priestley describes it as a socialist utopia. That's certainly the Pan Concord background as being the socialist utopia. And it's just something this just struck me something that you mentioned earlier, Dan, about the intel. Uh, being this, I, I, I can't quite grasp the concept of, of what in, Intel is other than this all pervasive, uh, AI almost, is it, that sort of guides people and it means people don't need to almost think for themselves. Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, the way I think of it is I'm thinking it was almost very much like Facebook with target marketing going to the extreme piped straight into your brain. Yes. So you're told what to do, you're almost surprised. It's almost like, Man- like Minority Report, the film. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's all seen, it's all... And crimes are stopped before they happen. Yeah. Which I find quite sinister. I find it quite... I'm an Algorin player who is who sits <laughs> sort of in, <laughs> in between the Pan Concord and the Isaurian Senatex, as it, I think called. And I've, I've got the Gar Empire bordering my territory if you like uh, as the uh, as the algorithm um that determinist i think it's called isn't it is, is that right i think so yeah something like that but we're sort of sandwiched as the small area in between uh these two great uh, forces um and it, i find it quite sinister the fact that there's all this it's almost a 1984 feel for me Mm. Where there's this state control of people's minds and there's very li- it seems to me very little free will. I think there's some discussion to be had there. Uh, certainly when I post on the Facebook group that uh, is there any free will? And I think Tim Bancroft, who's the uh, warlord um, head honcho for Gates of Antares, said, yeah, there is free will because people are freed up from all the cares of 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 living that we know about as bills yeah. and jobs and etc. They don't have to do any of that, but the people that live mm. in in the intel um, or under the yeah, influence I mean, of that's intel. A big thing. I think um, I've somehow activated Siri on my computer. Sorry. <laughs> I, don't know how I, I did think, that. Uh, sure. Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier. Uh, in you hear me? Yes. 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 Daniel. I think Sorry, you mentioned the Siri. Is he oh. Dan, go away. <laughs> Turn Siri off. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the Borg. Yes. And I and and I kind of get that um, that sense with the the two big powers, um, you know, the Isaurians and the Concord. That there's almost this uh, unification sort of utopia that they live in, where they're you know everybody's working towards this greater good, 
Yes. But, but this greater, what the greater good is, is kind of dictated to them by computer, if you like. Yeah. You know. Um, Which is why it feels so sinister to yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. I'm you not know. sure I'd like to live under, under that, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But would you know any difference? Your job yeah. would certainly be easier. <laughs> you wouldn't no crime. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be out of work. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm looking at it from sort of the Algrim perspective, I suppose. Jamie, have you had any chance to have a look at the background yet at all? Apart from the freeborn, no. It's again, it's something I want to uh, have a, a bit of understanding about. I you think just... it, all, it all adds to the, it all adds to the wholeness of the. The universe, doesn't it, really? Yeah, and there's quite a lot of free fiction on the Warlord website to check out. Um, on the Gates of Antares Nexus, there's loads of free fiction on there, uh, which just gives you that little bit of a feel about what what does a city look like within the Antares universe? What would it look like in the Pan Concord, or in what would an Isaurian city look like? Um, would they need roads? Because everything hovers, doesn't it? So why, why do you need a road? Uh, it was one good example. Um, but yeah, I th- so from my perspective, my draw into into the game is that really that it feels something very different to what. Let's not kid ourselves. Games Workshop and 40k are has permeated all aspects of the hobby, hasn't it? It seems yeah. to be the it's the kingpin of the hobby by which everything else is judged rightly or wrongly uh, it's all judged by that and and for a game to break into that market it, it's a, it's a very big ask I but, it's almost impossible yeah to to be honest um, you know most even the most popular non games workshop game if you like is only scratching really at the the edges uh, of the hobby, in my opinion, um, yeah, sure. you know, it's very difficult for a, a game to to crack into that um, and become almost become part of the you know structure of you know of life sort of yeah. thing. You know, yeah. which you know becomes so insinuated with the hobby that um, you know when when you when you speak to somebody who doesn't know what wargaming is. You know, but they are, they know what Warhammer is. You know, yes. they've heard of Warhammer. It's that that level of, uh, you know, that level of getting into society that it, that Warhammer has and Games Workshop have done very successfully. You know, fair play to them for that. Yeah, uh, but it does make it very difficult for smaller games to thrive. Yeah. Um, so you know, that's why we need to. S- Stick at things like this and Absolutely. push push these things. Well, hopefully uh, this this podcast, if uh, if it gets some legs and and, and gets running, because we won't have any set release uh, schedule for it. It'll be as and when. Yes, uh, I think that's probably others. sensible. Yes, yeah, so, so we won't commit to like a, 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 th- a once a week no. release schedule. We'll, we'll just release it as and when. Uh, we can get three or four of us together uh, on, on Skype, and there's a couple of other people, as we've already mentioned, who might well come on and uh, contribute. But um, what we'll do is we'll just get, take a, a short break, a uh, short interlude, and we'll come back and uh, round out the podcast. Welcome back to Antara's Radio. 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um, it took me ages to think that up. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I see a lot of work went into it, yeah. It did. It did. No expense uh, spared. No yeah. expense spent. Spent. <laughs> um, we did say it was a low buy-in, but we we were talking about this podcast. <laughs> this, this could make us rich and famous. This could uh, because uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tout this as uh, your seventh favourite Antares Gates of Antares podcast. Because I only know of one other. Well, we're breaking um, the top ten. So we've broken the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, how do you feel, Jamie? It's going to bring you into that stardom, this is, man. Well, if he, if he can stay awake long, you know. Oh, are you awake, Jamie? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I've seen him dropping off. He's forgotten he's still got his camera on. Oh, right. <laughs> um. Okay, so uh, just to round out the show, I thought we'd just uh, have a, uh, a little bit of news and uh, then a little bit of uh, hobby update and gaming plans for the uh, near future. Uh, so there is the Gates of Antares, Beyond the Gates of Antares Games Day, coming uh, to a Warlord head- headquarters uh, near you in May. Dan, can you remember the exact time, uh, exact date? Oh, is it the 16th? Um, let's have a look on. Yeah, I'm on my phone. I think it's the 16th of May. Uh, and you said it's uh, April, May. Yep, 16th of May at Warlord Games Centre. Yes. Tickets are probably all sold out now. Yes, probably. I think they are, yes. Uh, is is the still... fan... is... Sorry, mate, go on. I was going to say, has there not been any update uh, regarding the COVID 19 outbreak on that? that score at the moment or as it stands it's still going ahead i know that tim uh had a uh, an online chat with uh, the guy who runs the gaming side at warlord games dave uh sorry i can't remember his surname but as it stands it's going ahead i think we have to anticipate it's going to get cancelled particularly in view of uh, we're recording on the 20th of march and we've had the news that all pubs clubs cinemas restaurants Gyms, etc., are shutting uh, for a month. My God, what will we do? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Worse than that, our Stoke War Games clubs moment temporarily. Yes, we've even had a hiatus. Yes, what? Which is absolutely the right call that the um, team have made, but it's still. What Fridays? Well, it's very disappointing because we've we've gone through a period of change, haven't we, at the club? uh, Which I think we've come through. Uh, with flying colours. Uh, we've moved locations um, in the last year, uh, which caused some stress and consternation, but we have come out stronger, I think, as a club. Um, uh, and it's, it's just such a shame that this has come along now, but obviously there's more important things than toy soldiers sometimes. Yes, yeah, right. I do think, to be fair, that the change in our venue, because we used to be based in a... Essentially, it was a couple of old flats. We had different rooms for different rooms. It was. Different rooms, different groups, so we were essentially in one room. Every group's had different rooms. We've moved to a knitting hut with one big room, and I do think that has helped spread the word of Antares. There's a yeah. couple of people who weren't in our room who are looking interested and looking to get in on the game, so it's it has helped spread the, as we said, smaller games that aren't GW-centric. I mean, one of the people interested is very much... A 40k diehard 40k player. Yes. Yeah. 
Is that Sam? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I was due to be playing Sam tonight, but obviously uh, with the committee closing the club, then uh, that's it. Um, we are done for at least four weeks uh, pending uh, pending further review. On the other hand, if we hadn't closed the club tonight, there'd be no... Stories Radio! There'd be just static. So there's always a bright, there's always a bright side. <laughs> In my opinion, for me, would have been an improvement. <laughs> Radio silence. Radio silence. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so hopefully we will cross our fingers because I know myself, Dan, and Aid are attending uh, the uh, the Phantoms of Grem, uh, which is the uh, name of the day, uh, to get some uh, games in against some of the other members of the wider Gates of Antares community. But uh, hopefully it will go ahead. But obviously um, uh, there's there's a good chance it won't. But on that note, uh, Keith, I know yes. me and you have chatted. Uh, a little bit about the possibility of having our own games there, haven't we? We certainly have. Um, possibly we are running before we can walk, I don't know, but yes, uh, <laughs> you know, it's not like us to go... What's all... the worst that could happen? Well, exactly, you know, it, it, you know, it's not like us to go uh, guns blazing into things, is it? Yes. Uh, yes, we talked about the possibility of using the club uh, venue to do a Antares Games Day, didn't we, in September? Yes. Um, By that time, I may have even had a game. Well, quite <laughs> possibly. <hope> so. <laughs> um, whether, you know, whether the, it will go ahead now, I, I don't anybody's guess, really, I suppose. But, yeah, the, the intention is certainly there from us, that we, we would like to do something like that, um, possibly get Warlord to involve themselves in some way. Um, but yeah. Warlord Games. Warlord Games. Yeah, Warlord no, Games. the local Warlord. Yeah, the local Warlord. Yeah, the Watutsi Warlord. <laughs> <laughs> the publishers of the He's game. got an army. Yeah. He's got his drone scourge down, I'll play him. Under <laughs> <laughs> your duress. That, that'd, uh, be, that'd be Warlord Games publishers of the game Beyond Gates of Antares, yes, would it? Th- that would be them. That yes. Would be them. That's splendid companies, most splendid of companies. Yes. Um, actually, uh, not just ass kissing, but uh, I do really like Rick Priestley's games. Uh, Rick Priestley did uh, Warmaster as yeah. well, which is a great game. System. One of your favourites, isn't it? I yeah, mean. and it's been copied, you know, multiple times, hasn't it? That that yeah. style of system. So yeah, yeah he is a you know all jokes aside, he is a very good games designer, yeah. <clears throat> and. Uh, you know, this is his masterpiece, maybe. You know, Gates of Antares. Could well be. But, uh, uh, yeah, so we, yeah, we, we'd like to do something like that. We can probably host perhaps, say, 18, uh, players, I would yeah. have thought, uh, on our nine tables. Um, so yeah, it's something that, um, we'll right. definitely revisit. Yeah, it's, it's feasible. You know, it's just whether outside influences have settled down by then, you know. Um, from our point of view, yeah, we, we could, we could pretty much do it tomorrow, actually. <laughs> yes. Yeah. With that kind, you know. Uh, what the hell was that? It's Jamie. What are you doing, Jamie? I don't know. He's doing something. He's taking snapshots. 
<laughs> Sorry. We don't want to see that, Jamie. Put it away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing one that small before. I know, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. There you go. Talk about my army again. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, oh, there you are. I can see you again, Jamie. Um, so, yeah, we, we haven't really thought of any sort of um, theme for the day. We'd like a narrative day. We don't want a win at all costs tournament that's, yeah, type. That, that's a good. That is a good. Um, call there Sean because uh, actually I think Antares does lend itself to that style of play uh, you, you know it's it's not just about uh, 500 points lining up and knocking the crap out of each other mm. uh, you know I think I mean we played one of the um, balanced uh, match so called ba- ma- match play scenarios yeah. in the day, didn't we? which was the grab the drone or whatever it was yeah. scenario um, but there's also which is quite unusual, I'd say, from my um, experience of gaming. There's narrative scenarios in the book as well, because yes. I think it's very much Rick's idea to push people, to, you know, to play in that style rather than just, you know, purely um, balanced, you know, tournament all costs games, tournament yeah. style games. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so that intrigues me actually. Um, the concept of um, whether you could do a, a day where the results of the individual results aren't important, but it's the overall result that comes out of the, from everybody's gaming at the end of the day. Um, yeah. wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be amazing if if you could get, say, um, Warlord involved, and and the outcomes of these days could have somehow affect the background going forward? That'd be good, wouldn't it? I know that they've done that before, actually. There are some precedents for their own events. Um, the Xylos, Battle for Xylos, which is the first supplement. There's three supplements, aren't there? Yes. Battle for Xylos, the Crisis Shard, and then the Drones. Scourge Returns. Yes. Um, and I certainly know that the results of the Battle for Xylos uh, campaign, that they ran, um, there was a website where you could input your results. As you play through the six narrative scenarios in there, sort of then informed how the fluff developed. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know anything about that, Dan. Did you get involved in that at all? I don't know. But you've been to the Antares Games Days before, haven't you? I've been to a couple of Games Days before, and they were very much narrative games. Yeah. And it worked really, really well. Yeah. You know. uh, so it wasn't there wasn't a pressure on sort of winning and losing. It was about having a good game and yeah. you know uh, the results being somehow factored into an overall narrative uh, yeah. I mean, uh, result at the end of the day. Yeah, that's pretty much how it was. There's the overall narrative and yeah, brilliant. Excellent. Well, yes. Yeah, so um, we will obviously be. Uh, Advertising more details about that as and when we come up with something. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the ideas, man. <laughs> and we know, you'll know. <laughs> so you'll but, never know. <laughs> but that, that is our ambition. That is our ambition. So the intention uh, is there. Uh, yeah. If not the ability. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure there's people out there who can guide us and inform us on how to go about it. But that that is the intent. We've got a, a great venue, haven't we? Yeah. Yes, the chip shop 
uh, just around the corner. Um, there's there's supermarkets for food, etc. And uh, it's well placed. It yeah. is, isn't it, Jay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's just well placed. So I think we're very lucky with the venue we've got. Um, right, so uh, let's just have a very quick chat before we finish then about plans for hobby or gaming in the near future. I appreciate that uh, the social distancing is going to cause <laughs> a little bit of an issue, but we're certainly going to look to get the D&D campaign perhaps over Skype uh, continued. Uh, Keith, what hobby have you got on your table at the moment? <clears throat> at the moment, I have uh, Star Wars Armada. Uh, sitting on my table, I'm painting all the TIE fighters and fighters for my Star Wars Armada uh, Imperial Fleet. They look rather uh, splendid, I've seen them. Yeah, uh, they're coming out really well actually, considering it's the most simplistic of paint, paint jobs I could do really. Um, but I, I play Armada with my son-in-law, uh, he, he's uh, big into it with me. Um, so yeah, we and may that. also be getting into Antares. He may well. In fact, he has bought one of the starter boxes. The big uh, set. Uh, yeah, I can't think which one it is, but he he has bought one. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so that's another another potential player. Mm-hmm. Um, I have today started painting some dwarf slayers from from years ago for a I always wanted to do a, a slayer army from the storm of chaos way back when uh, yeah it's about 2003 I think it was now 17 years ago <laughs> it's crazy isn't it so yeah 17 years later than yeah. needed uh, <laughs> it's like a good wine well uh, in, you know, in, in credit where it's due, I've been using the new uh, Citadel contrast paints, uh, and I have to say I think they're fantastic. Um, yes. For anybody um, who's perhaps not a whiz with a brush, uh, they're well worth looking at, looking at. I think. Yeah, I that's my hobby tip for the for this week. Try the contrast paints. <laughs> I know you use them as well, don't you, Dan? And uh, you, I do, you get get good results. They work really well on the Gates of Antares models, in fact. I've recently discovered some Antares models in the bottom of my model case because apparently I never, ever look at the third layer in any of my cases. (laughs) I found a a load of primed models and I had to go with contrast paint and I've got a new who, which is essentially the overarching army commander. And I've just done him a quick coat of the blue contrast paint and he looks absolutely stunning <coughs> so yeah, yeah contrast paint goes really well with the um certainly the historian models <coughs> yes. with gates frontaris o- yeah. other models and paints are of course available but uh, don't bother with them <laughs> 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 yeah no no they are in all seriousness they are. i i know um i know when they first came out you tried them Sean, and you were were a bit a little bit nonplussed yes uh but I, I do think if you are, if you're not the best painter in the world and you're just looking to improve your output, I think they're, they're great. I, I, I painted one test figure t- tonight um, in about an hour and a half, and I know it would have probably taken me five or six hours previously. So you know that that's an improvement in itself. I've certainly, uh, I've certainly come round to them uh, after my first experiment. I bought some on the day they were released, actually. Uh, and I was painting up some Mantic Games 
uh, dead zone figures mm. um, just to test them and I was a little underwhelmed thinking I can get exactly the same result with the normal paints and just watering them down but mm. I will say um, uh, I've come around and I'm, I am impressed I've recently painted up a Warcry warband with them uh, the Cypher Lords yeah. um, and I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with how they've come out for so li- little effort and, and basically just one coat of paint Exactly. I think they're um, they're, a, they're a useful tool, uh, in my opinion. You know, yeah. um, f- f- I I hate painting flesh. Uh, that's the one the one thing I hate painting human flesh. So if I can do that in one coat and just fire and forget, essentially, you know, that, that's all good with me. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So I'm uh, I've started painting my slayers. I've got my uh, tie fighters for Armada. Um, and in terms of actual gaming, uh, assuming none of us go down with the Lurgy, um, possibly get a game of Antares in next week, maybe. Who, who knows? That would be my ideal, anyway. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Uh, Daniel-san, what about yourself? As I said, I'm painting the Antares figs I found in the bottom of my case. I'm now going to go through... Or my other cases, if any of the goodies I've forgotten about. <laughs> forgotten about, yeah. Hidden treasures. You never know. I've still got, I've still got three cow- Dixon cowboys somewhere in the house I've lost. I'll turn up. My daughter will probably end up yeah, playing with them. Check under your daughter's bed, mate. They'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> I've made them a new bed since I lost these figures, so it's not that. They'll turn up. But I'm taking advantage of the social distancing COVID-19 to give... Uh, DMing for D&D ago I mean ah, yes. I'm, I'm part of Sean's D&D campaign and I'm loving it I'd never D&D'd before then but I had my first DMing occasion mm-hmm. last night with some of the geekiest geeks you'll ever, Ooh, ever tell us how it went aren't, aren't <laughs> they physicists aren't they three physicists? of them are physicists one of them makes musical instruments and the final one is a radiographer. Who's, oh. oh. And radiographers are all weird. Well, we, yeah, we know that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an episode of The Big Bang. Tell it us does, more. It? <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't say it to them, they'll shout at you because they oh. do not watch it because you know, oh. it's not like that. Oh, right. <laughs> that, it, it went really well. I mean, they were as new to D&D as I'm to DMing and it went really well. They went off piece a couple of times, but I just lagged it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it turned out that one of them had a fight. The character was a fighter, and he forgot to give him a weapon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I gave him a rather Ma- generous drop from the first monster they slew. I gave it dropped a longsword because I thought he needs a bloody weapon, <laughs> and I kind of steered them into giving it to him because it. Because I mean, the rogue was going to keep it for some bizarre reason, but I said, no, perhaps the fighter without a weapon could do with one. Well, that, I mean, that's almost as bad as having uh, a fighter who's a real tank in a group who prefers talking to goblins than killing them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Explain that one, Dan. <laughs> the, weapon, the weapon of the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> the pen is Feel mightier than feels. the sword, eh? Yeah. Power of persuasion. Feel the lash of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I did then decimate them with a battle axe, to be fair. Well, true, yeah. true. Once, you have, once you're prodded a little bit. 
taking it, Wessex damage from the uh, the cut of your your jibes of wit, <laughs> yeah. your acid tongue. <laughs> but it went well, Dan. It went well. It did. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next. Yeah. Oh, um, that's good. Get yeah. Good and Skype works for D and D. It worked for us for then, so I think for our D and D, it'll work absolutely fine. Yeah. Okay. We'll investigate that uh, some more. Uh, Jay, what about yourself, mate? Um, well, apart from the Antares, um, I've got um, Lord of the Rings Journeys into Middle-Earth, which is good. It's a good game. It's the uh, the, the FFG game where it's all, it's all computer-driven. So, that, so that's quite interesting. Um, You've played that a couple of times, haven't you, now? Yeah, yeah. Got some, uh, there's a good campaign on there. Got some losers playing it with you, though, I've heard. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> uh, yeah, we played it um, Tuesday this week, Jay. Just Tuesday. gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it's very good, actually. Um, it's all app-driven, so uh, the app kind of keeps track of everything uh, that's going on, and you ju- you just sort of input the raw data, if you like, as it, as it happens. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting game. Quite enjoyed it. Yeah, if Jamie, you know, if Jamie shows up uh, on time, it's brilliant. (laughs) And doesn't doesn't fall asleep. Yeah, doesn't fall asleep. Uh, Is it narcolepsy you suffer with, Jamie, or just very, very tired? I just do long hours at work. (laughs) I'm up up early. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's that. There's also. Kiss got Armada. I'm, I'm looking at the the other end of the scale, so I'm thinking of getting into uh, to X Wing or yeah. uh, Legion. Oh, the, okay, yeah. The ground based Star Wars game. Yeah, mm. uh, it's just getting hold of a core set at the minute because they they're quite oh, high in what? demand. A core set, not a corset, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> the core set. Course. Start the starter set. Yeah. Yes. But get those uh, freeborn uh, that you bought at the Allen Wells show, mate. Get them done first, yeah. or at least built. Yeah, uh, show some discipline, Jamie. Yes, like me and Keith. I've I've been DMing with my daughter the the, the My Little Pony. <laughs> I bought I got no the starter way. kit for that. Can uh, oh, just remove me. him from the call. Remove yeah. him from the call. <laughs> Well, can I just say, 50% of the people on this call have that game. Uh, <laughs> Sean, I think we need a new podcast. Yeah, I think we do. We need a breakaway <laughs> podcast. You two could set up the My Little Pony podcast. Uh, you know, although you'd probably get arrested for grooming or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's problematic. What do yeah. you reckon? Calls request for you? Yeah. <laughs> Equestria Radio. You'll be piping it into little girls' bedrooms while you're through those uh, <laughs> Siri speakers. He's, I heard Dan sorting out his Siri earlier on. That's what he was trying to do. <laughs> yeah, we've gone off. We've gone off piece again. <laughs> Just right. a little bit. That's all right. Uh, how's, how's that been going? Have you been finding that then, uh, Jamie? One, one session. <laughs> was uh, it a TPK? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she really enjoyed it. She did, did, did quite well. It's like um, 
it's just kind of like the old choose your own adventure books the oh, Steve yeah. Jackson Ian Livingstone oh, yeah. books used to have yeah. um, she basically basically had a pony with certain stats she picked a unicorn and she had decisions she had to make and yeah we're sort of halfway through the adventure now and she's she's doing okay yeah excellent. I'm joking aside mate that you know get them start them off on these sorts of things why not yeah and, and it's oh, the first she... time I'd DM'd in eons. Um, seven, just turned seven. She had it for a birthday, so. Oh, yeah. excellent. Very good. Very good. My, uh, good as well. funnily enough, my uh, grandson, who's seven, uh, is playing a little bit of D&D with my son-in-law, Martin. Oh. Uh, he's trying to sort of break him into that, so... Uh, Another couple of down the line. Yeah, it'd be a our campaign. Club. Well, that's it. Uh, when he, when he's a little bit bigger, he's a little bit too small to come to the club at the moment. Yeah, but um, yeah, with a few years' time, you never know. Another two or three and, years, uh, mate. Yeah, extra another player. The future so. generations. Yes. We weren't much older than that when we first started, were we? That's true. Uh, I think I was about eleven or twelve when I first started gaming. So yeah, cutting the paper paper card for. Um, what, what edition of what I'm was it? Third edition. Third, yeah. Uh, yeah. We we cut all the tokens out the back of the book, didn't we? Because we didn't have any figures. Then were the days, you know, <laughs> uh, little squares of card with orc written on them and stuff like that. You know, yeah. some golden days there, though, mate. You know, you, yeah. you laugh about it, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sure you had, had some good games with them. We did, yeah, we did. We did. And what are you doing this at the moment then, Sean? You tell us. Uh, yes, yeah, so it is Antares. So you will have noticed I've made a good start on painting up the Al- Algorin. Uh, yes, in that blue it's, scheme. It's mightily fine, I must say. Yeah, so uh, once they're, they're nearly done, um, so that's about 500 points I've got. And this won't surprise you, I've got my own body weight now and I'll go <laughs> I'm sat surrounded by Algorin boxes that, at the minute that is quite a lot of Algorin Sean if it's your own <laughs> <laughs> I've lost two and a half stone since oh, Christmas you yeah well fair enough <laughs> well yeah it's still quite a lot of still Algorin <laughs> in plastic yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm on that really. Uh, I've got a little bit of Peter Pig on the go still because uh, I'm a bit of a 15 mil historical gaming uh, freak with uh, Peter Pig games, as everybody knows. Um, uh, but I'm just sat in chaos, to be honest. My office is. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we're not on, on the video because uh, it would be rather a shame. <laughs> I'm just surrounded by boxes and pots of paint and. Uh, yes, uh, packages it, from eBay that have arrived. That's it's uh, a massively space-intensive hobby, isn't it? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right then, gents. Uh, I think we'll wrap up episode one. Uh, we've rattled on for quite some time there, but uh, thanks very much, for all of you, for joining us. No problem. I'll make you a bet now that nobody's still listening, so uh, you can. <laughs> <laughs> say what you want at this point are, in the are we still recording that's the question we're, we're, still, we're still we are still recording, recording it says yeah because when <laughs> I press the button to stop I'm just wondering what the hell's going to happen yeah. but <laughs> uh, as I said um, we've got to do it all over again uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll come in late again yeah <laughs> for comedy effect 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so um, we will wrap up there. If there is anybody out there in uh, Antares land listening, thank you very much. Uh, this has been the first episode of Antares Radio. Uh, so we look forward to the next time that we go uh, beyond the gates. Beyond the gates. Of to black <laughs> uh, right. uh, I'll just stop this now I'm just I'm going to press a bit and lose Please yeah. stay thing. still recording it does Yeah. Yep. Right. I'm going to press a button now it's going to be a permanent podcast <laughs> <laughs> hey I've got Jamie on oh I'm on video now can you see me I've been seeing you for the last hour and a half yeah. you can see me for the last hour and a half yeah yeah <laughs> I wasn't sat in my pants. So. I, couldn't see, I can't see you, Keith. No, I haven't got a camera mate for uh, right. legal reasons. <laughs> I couldn't see Dan oh, yeah. either. Oh, there's oh, Dan. There we go. Oh. You caught what are you holding in hand? My microphone. Oh, my God. <laughs> Professional microphone. I haven't got a headset, and my wife's a musician. Uh, I've licked her microphone. Why have you got that very phallic object by your bed? Right. <laughs> Okay, I'm not in I'm not Mike. I'm not in bed. I'm not in bed. <laughs> You're not in I'm bed? on the sofa. Uh, uh, no. right. I thought you were in bed. Are you in the dark? Oh, oh that's, that's hey. looks like you've got a halo now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll sit like this now then. No, don't do that, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> this was our silent partner. Oh, uh, uh, oh no. <laughs> Rock dog. <laughs> when when are you going to actually play a game of Antares then, Jamie? Well, I'm off next week, so No way. Never. So <laughs> not next week. week. <laughs> so that's ruled out then. Yeah. I'm off I think next it's week. a good time. Yeah. I'm off next week. I'm off You're... next week. Yeah. Three of us off next week. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's the worst? Um, well, why don't we try and uh, arrange uh, an evening or something? Yeah. Are we yeah. all are we all pox free? Yes. yes. 
None of us are self-isolating, yeah? Oh, well, I technically am. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with me, it's Karen. Yeah. <laughs> you put her in the loft, can't you? Yeah, I'll lock her in the garage. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, if you fancy it, um, let me know a day when you're both free and we'll, we'll have a game, yeah. What about you, Dan? Are you uh, available? Uh, probably not. I'm off Monday, Tuesday, Friday at the moment, but as you know, things can change. Is yeah. this still is it still part of the podcast, or are we now just We chatting? are still recording. Oh, that's I right. tend to use little bits of this. Oh, uh, fair enough then, yeah. After like, the uh, final credits have rolled. Bloopers and things. Yeah. <laughs> the blooper reel. Yeah. <laughs> What's happened with Aid tonight? I thought he was joining us. Well, he's box written. Oh, is he? He hasn't got anything. Oh, he has got something, hasn't he? He's got, he's yeah, got fancy. So he's self-isolating. Ah. Very good. Has he got a persistent cough? He had the he had a new persistent cough the other day. Oh dear! Oh dear! He's oh oh. such a tough life as a teacher. He's off till September now, I think. <laughs> he's got some free time now, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 He has already made a start on his hobby, by the looks of it. Oh, has he? Yeah. yeah. The envi- environmental suit. If he's got uh, six months off till September, maybe he can paint some of them figures he's had for five years. For <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that bit in. Yeah, so leave that bit in. Yeah, you end, can yeah. put that bit in. <laughs> He's owned them figures longer than I have. <laughs> <laughs> what are they? Man of Warships he was doing for me about ten years ago. Oh, right. yeah. Back when the art was new. Yeah, back, back <laughs> yeah. when it first came out in 90. <laughs> I've just had these new figures aid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Antiques now. Yeah, <laughs> bloody hell. Uh, Dan, did you use Roll20 then for the D&D? I didn't, I used Skype. Uh, Roll20 does look good, but... How did you do work? the dice then? Just roll it on the table under the camera? Yeah. Right, okay. Everyone else had... Everyone else used the dice rolling emulator on the internet, but yeah... Roll the dice. Is that something that everybody can see, though? Can you see the no. dice rolls? Right. Because on Roll20, you can see the dice rolls, can't ah. you? You can. Yeah. I was tempted by Roll20, but the main draw of Roll20 is the maps, but they cost a bloody fortune I to get bother. the pre-generated ones, or drawing your own would take ages. Yeah, I wouldn't bother with them. We'd just have to use theatre. Just used to talking, you? Yeah. Uh, I haven't got a camera, as, uh, as I've said, so um, if we can get, like, if we can get like an emulator thing that you know does it on, that would be good. Yes. Not that yeah. I would cheat, you know. I'm sure you wouldn't. Keith, <laughs> you know, <yeah. laughs> no. Well, if I uh, said anything higher than a four on a bloody observation test, you wouldn't believe me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can pick them up for twenty quid, you know. Yeah. Webcams. Webcams. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not. Well, why would I ever need it, apart from this one instance? I don't know. I can think of a couple of other instances where they come in useful. But anyway, oh, so yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yes. this is a uh, only an R-rated, not X-rated. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, gents, I'll uh, I'll close it there. Uh, yep. Lisa's going to be home from work very soon. I shall let you know when I have got it ready for release. Oh, skidoki. Uh, I will put oh, it through a little bit of the... Um, Bit through the uh, editing process and find a little bit of music, a little bit of art. Yes, excellent. And uh, excellent. we'll uh, 
hopefully get to, well obviously we'll be in touch uh for well we'll be playing Antares by the sounds of it next week at some point. yeah that'd be good yeah uh and we'll sort out a date for an online because i think it, 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 it will if dan's saying it's a, it's worked okay then we'll um yeah yeah that'd be good we'll um, go for that just before uh, we go, how does multiplayer work? Is, is it is just as simple as whacking three different coloured dice in the bag? And, do you think? I don't um, think so, yeah. Possibly. I, I haven't really thought about it, mate, to be honest. But I tell you what, in that Xylos supplement, Battle for Xylos, the last scenario of that is uh, three players aside... So six players playing on a 12-foot-by-6-foot table. But it's essentially three separate games playing down the length of a 6-foot table each with a 4-foot frontage Um, and and separate bags, but the units can cross over onto the other tables. So that would be a great club project. Yeah, it would actually. Yeah. To work towards. uh, Oh, no. Oh, just clearing oh, the throat. Oh, just clearing no, the throat. No. <laughs> okay. Isolating. Yeah. Um, but uh, as regards... Oh, dear. <laughs> um, go and spread the germs amongst all those patients. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I would imagine as a three... If you had a three-way, then it would be the three lots of dice in the bag. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to research that. It's interesting. Yeah. One. I'd like to perhaps have a big multiplayer game of some kind. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I think... What I'm liking about Antares is the fact we've all got a little army now, or some of us have got bigger armies than others, but um, you can get that interaction, can't we, where we can, a bit like it in the old fantasy battle days where... Yeah, everybody had got a bit of a force and... Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, everybody yeah. can get involved in it rather than just the two, <coughs> same, two people, same two people playing. Um, yeah. Get. I think that's, uh, uh, right. that's one Sorry. of the big things for me. Yeah. Uh, with this, is everybody's interested because um, we haven't had that for ages, have we? No. Where everybody's collecting the same game and wanting to play. Yeah. You know, we do a lot of games where one person will put the whole game on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do miss that sort of uh, rock up and see who's turned up with an army type of yeah. uh, <laughs> thing. Well, look at, look at me with that. <laughs> Just a little investment and I've got an army. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's mate, great. Yeah. Yeah. It is great, mate. And hopefully gets you a bit more involved down the club, Jay, as well. <coughs> yeah, I've got 20 armies. No. Sorry? I haven't. I've got three or four, I think, now. Only four. <laughs> Only four. Yeah. But, yeah, but, I mean, Sean's probably got more than that. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got quite a lot of Algar in that. Yeah. Uh, we need somebody to get that drone scourge, that Virai. They look quite good figures, they do. It's a bit of a cheap, uh, expensive buy-in, though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I like the look of them definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, they're nice looking. I'll, uh, I'll pick some did, of those. Did they do a starter set for them? I don't, I don't know, don't know. But uh, it'd be worth the investigating because uh, it is uh, it is a nice looking arm. It's quite unique, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Next Bit time we do one of these podcasts. <laughs> Next time we do one of these podcasts, you and I'm going to get a bottle of port. Before we start, <laughs> so, slowly drink it as you yeah, go. Uh, get drink slowly pissed as you go, and hopefully the content at the end will be much funnier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, I, listen, I, I would like to keep this going as yeah, such because I've done I've done podcasts before, but I've 
enslave myself to them with the editing. And it takes, for a two hour podcast, it would take me something like eight or nine hours of editing. Keep it fast and loose and raw, and we'll send it out as it is, I think. Yeah. Other than the little break uh, for the bit at the end, yeah. uh, which won't take any time at all just to put a little bit of music in there. So uh, I'll end the call there because uh, I right, do right. need to yeah. uh, okay. get off. But thanks, gents, okay, and right, I'll nice. speak to you all very soon. Yeah, okay. Speak to you all soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. See you.